This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 89, Creating a Sustainable and Loving Approach to Yoga. Have you ever done a yoga pose and kind of regretted it afterwards? Or maybe you just pushed a little too far in this one pose you practice normally without issue, or let's be frank, way too far? Or simply you've criticized yourself or judged yourself while practicing on the mat? All right, maybe all of the above. Well, either way, this episode is for you. Today, I sat down with Brie Johnson. Brie has been teaching yoga and movement since 2003. As a teacher, mentor, and community builder, she has a focus on creating a sustainable approach to yoga. She is known for providing a safe foundation for healthy movement while remaining focused on the heart of the yogic teachings. Brie is the founder of Heart and Bones Yoga, a global community online and teacher training course base. So with all that, I wanted to sit down with her and talk about that idea of creating a sustainable and loving approach to yoga, especially in times where so many of us are teaching and practicing online, it's been over a year now, and some studios are starting to reopen depending on where you live, and so the normal is going to change again. We're going to be in transition again. So those are times where it's really important to be present in our practice to make sure we're creating a sustainable and loving approach in the way we show up on the mat. Before we get to today's episode, I have a few very exciting news to share with you. So first, I just announced earlier this week that I will be leading an eco-luxury yoga retreat in Mexico in November 2021. So it's just around the corner, almost six months. And I heard you, you have been craving to immerse yourself in yoga, in nature, but particularly in community again. Me too. So we can feel, so you can feel a little bit more renewed and re-enlivened. Many of us are suffering from Zoom fatigue, so I am offering you to hit the beach and the reset button all at once so you can let go of this last year. And if that sounds like a dream to you, it does to me, you'll find all the info for this retreat at ericabelanger.com and you'll have the link in the show notes to go directly to the retreats page to get more info on the rooms and all the details. In parallel, second thing I wanted to talk to you about, I have launched a GoFundMe campaign. I know yoga retreats are an investment and I know this last year has been hard for many of you. Since yoga retreat were so pivotal and so life-changing for me, I've been wanting to give back. So I am raising money while investing alongside the community to make the experience of yoga retreat available to students who wouldn't be able to participate otherwise. If you're able to donate anything, you could transform someone's life. And if you're in need, you can apply for the scholarship yourself. Either way, I would love for you to share this GoFundMe with your loved ones, with your social media platforms. It's really a simple way that you could directly impact someone else's life in a really positive way. So you'll find the link for that too in the show notes. And on the GoFundMe page, you can donate from there, you can apply from there, you can share from there. So nice and easy. Last thing I wanted to mention is that we have just launched a couple weeks ago a new membership platform here on the podcast. We used to be with Patreon and we transferred to With Ribbon. So now to get access to your premium content, you'll need to visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger. And of course, you'll find the link for that in the show notes as well. So many good things there for you to go check out. On this platform, you'll find, as before, your premium podcast membership, which starts at $5 a month, 
where you can continue to get inspired and learn even more. Just as before, as a member, you get a ton of exclusive audio and video content. The last one that was shared was a 30-minute roll-out-of-bed video flow. Now, if you're craving more video classes, now on the new platform with Ribbon, you have access to almost 200 full-length yoga classes in a Netflix-style membership. So you choose when, how, and what kind of class you want to do. And for the launch, I was offering seven days free, and I decided to move that an extra week. So you have until this Friday, the 21st, if you want to sign up to get your seven days for free. You can also, on the Ribbon platform now, sign up for any live class I offer, including regular free ones. So everything regarding taking yoga classes is now on the same place. All right, public announcements are done. Let's get to our episode of today with Brie. Hi, Brie. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, Brie, for listeners that don't know you, can you start us off with telling us a little bit about yourself and your yoga journey? Well, I, yeah, I'm Brie, Brie Johnson, and I teach yoga, and I've been a, basically a full-time yoga teacher since I was 23, and I'm 41 right now, so this has been uh, quite the journey and quite an interesting, um, yeah, experience of teaching, and so I've done it all in terms of teaching and running yoga businesses, and yeah, it's it's become quite the love of my life. Mm-hmm. You are the founder of Heart and Bones, and I love the name, by the way. When you look into it, it's really clear for me what it represents. Um, can we talk a little bit about that, what it is, and why did you decide to call it Heart Plus Bones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heart and Bones, it actually was one of those things where, so having taught since in almost 20 years, and I've run yoga studios like brick and mortar, actual yoga studios with a different name. And I probably since around 2012, I started to get into what I like to call affectionately call my yoga existential crisis, mm. which is a big topic. So the short thing that came out of that existential crisis was trying to figure out who am I as a teacher? What do I want to teach? I really didn't want to teach extreme ranges of motion. I didn't want to, I just kind of knew what I had been taught previously wasn't really working anymore for the people in my classes. I really wanted to teach accessible, loving, supportive ways of moving. And in 2012, definitely that was a time in the yoga world where it was yoga festivals and let's do these handstands and not that anything's wrong with any of those things, but that wasn't my, me and that wasn't the people I was teaching. And so Heart and Bones was kind of born out of that time, coming on the other side of the existential crisis and finding my own voice as a teacher, even more so than previously. I'd already been teaching for 10 years by that point, but we're always growing and we're always evolving. And absolutely. Yeah, Heart and Bones was my integration of all the heart-based contemplative practices of yoga, right? The, the actual tradition of yoga that I don't want to change that has been here for all of us for so long. And the bones part, though, was integrating more anatomy training, more embodied awareness, better understanding of how we move so that we can move well when we're in our 80s and at any stages of our life. And I felt like those two things were kind of a disconnect in the yoga space at that time, and especially for me and how I wanted to teach. So 
heart and bones is the synthesis of that. So being able to upgrade the physical part of the yoga practice so that our joints, our body feels really good. It's accessible for more people without losing the heart of the practice. So that's the heart and the bones. And in fact, for me, I feel like the most important part of that name is the and, right? Is the integration of them both. It's one's not better than the other. It's that beautiful connection between them. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, you found that there was a disconnect. I find that oftentimes when we create something, when we, you know, find a little bit more, our path is in response to a problem or a pain point we have or we see around us. And so can we talk a little bit more about that disconnect from what I'm understanding or reading between the line from your work? It, it maybe is around some kind of lack of kindness towards ourself within the practice, but I want to see what you have to say about that. Well, I think the the question is, where do we, because I think you're right in that, there's a lack of kindness, but what does that mean and what does that look like? And I think the question underneath that is, where does that come from in the yoga space? And I think that lack of what you're saying is a lack of kindness is pushing ourselves into positions, let's say that maybe we don't our bodies don't need to go or can't mm -hmm. go, or we just don't have the, the limb ratio. You know, if you have a long torso and short arms and you try to lift into something, you're, you just, it's going to be harder than somebody with longer arms and a shorter torso. So anatomically, there's things we may not ever do. Mm -hmm. And so then I think the question with, with that is why do we think that? Why is that the prevalent notion of what yoga is? And over the years, because yoga is, uh, I don't even know now anymore, a couple billion dollar industry. Yeah, and 26 in 2010, like it was 26 billion. So I don't know where we are, but ooh, yeah, over God, that for sure. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, right. That's a lot of money to be made. And when there's money to, and, and when there's money to be made, it's being made off of this practice, right? And, and what sells in our world, but extreme ranges of motion, mm -hmm. uh, skinny blonde white women in bikinis on the beach doing a one-armed handstand. Like that's these quote, quote, aspirational images. And please emphasis on the quotes when I say aspirational. And then people internalize that and go, wait, well, I don't look like that. I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, I can't do yoga. <laughs> so they think it's them rather than it's not them it's the yoga industrial complex <laughs> as you could call it so it's this commodification of this really ancient wisdom tradition that has been taken away from a lot its roots in a lot of ways and anyways and so so that is huge and I think the, I, the beautiful thing is I'm seeing more and more now so many more people are reclaiming it reawakening and going, yeah, wait, I don't want to teach like that. I don't want to practice like that. And what is yoga and how can we offer it in a more, again, accessible, loving, authentic way? Mm -hmm. So for you, it was definitely about accessibility and over or like the over focus on um, flexibility versus, and I guess that, you know, I was going to say versus like mobility and just feeling better. So oftentimes, or I've talked about this a lot with other guests, um, Nikki Estrada, who came really early, like episode four, guys, if you want to go back, we talked that basically the goal of yoga is to feel better. Like you can look at it in so many different ways and with so many different lenses, but 
it's to feel better in your body, to feel better in your mind, in the way you act in the world. Like it, it's just about that feeling. So what is the role of yoga, the goal of yoga? What is yoga for you? You just mentioned like when we get clear on what it is and what represents, what do you try to achieve when you teach now? Mm. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> And especially, you know, and I pause a little bit because I also teach teachers. And so there's these kind of similar threads throughout, you know, quote, regular people, people who don't teach yoga and then people who teach yoga. And yet for everyone, yeah, if you could distill such a beautifully complex whole body, whole heart, whole mind practice that where, you know, physical poses are just one tiny little part of the actual tradition you could, in a way, distill it down to, I, I like feeling good, but what is, what is feeling good? Feeling, you know, so question, I always like to question these things and question the questions. And mm-hmm. so feeling good in yoga, help, to me, feeling good is getting to know myself. So I often say the heart of yoga is, it's a practice of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. But agree. this is something that's happened in our really commodified Western approach to yoga, that 26 plus billion dollar industry is that we often unconsciously or consciously are taught that we feel good for ourselves. End of story. I'm going to end my suffering. I'm going to learn more about who I am. Mm -hmm. But what we don't always talk about, we we might forget about this, that my healing is tied to your healing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just keep this to myself and nor should I, you know, so, so to me, it's, it's this act of love and service. And what's again, really beautiful over the years that I've seen in the yoga world. And I just love seeing this happening so much more now is people. So who, who's benefited from this yoga practice? A lot of people who are white and have money to certain degrees. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other people have been excluded in the practice over the years. And more and more, I'm seeing that opening up. And so I don't want to just sit on my yoga mat or as a teacher, tell people, it's all good. Just breathe and meditate. And yeah, enlightenment and yay. And I'm just going to sit here in my metaphorical cave and just serve myself because I want to feel better but may we feel better and get to know who we are so that we have the capacity to help and make change and those of us with privilege have the opportunity to share that privilege Mm -hmm. with others who don't have it and we see that more and more more and more in this past year (laughs) in so many different ways with the pandemic and other things so it's that act of service. It's that karma yoga, that side of it. So our service is intertwined with our own enlightenment. And, you know, a lot of people talk about liberation for all. So if I feel liberated from my own suffering, and I, and I even want to just pause on that because liberated from my suffering, suffering is going to always happen. Yoga offers us the opportunity to learn how to live with it and deal with it and see ourselves through that and grow from that so that then I have more capacity to help the suffering of others in whatever way that shows up for each of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, no small feat, but (laughs) this is our work. Absolutely. I agree. So let's come back to the bone part of hearts and bones. And you mentioned one word that I want to come back to, and it was sustainability. 
So what does it mean to have a sustainable approach in yoga or how does a, you know, healthy movement practice looks like when we think of lifespan? Yeah, I often have a little tagline that I've kind of come up and I use sometimes where it's like feel good now like or move good now so that you can feel and move well in another 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. And that's really the heart of sustainability, right? We're investing time and awareness and intention and purpose to what we're doing now to support the, our future selves. And so what that actually looks like is, again, the more common paradigm, if you, if you do go on the hashtag yoga, if you search hashtag yoga, you're going to see a lot of people usually doing these really extreme ranges of motion, right? Let's get our leg around our head. Let's do the splits. Let's do this crazy back bend. And that can be fun. And that can be fun for some people if they've got the ability to do that. And yet for a lot of people, <laughs> that's not going to be sustainable. In a way you could think of those really extreme. If you wanted to do extreme ranges of motion, you can think of them as like your little play things. You can have your, your desserts, your yoga desserts, <laughs> but doing mobility... Although, actually, I pause on that because that sounds like what I'm about to say is not fun and dessert-like. <laughs> so me, so I want to say, you know, working on our ranges of motion and our joints, moving our body with so that we're strengthening all the tissue surrounding our joints so that we're not in pain, we don't have aches, is actually quite dessert-like in my opinion as well. So, but that's kind of maybe the bulk of our, our yoga. Asana I think it's probably diet. more dessert-like when you come from a place of awareness and not of a place of what you think you should be doing and what your practice should look like. Because that's two different yes. things. And what feels, what actually feels, you know, appropriate and helpful and dessert-like in your body is going to be totally different than what you think your practice should look like. Yes. And then there's the yoga within the yoga, because then we get to question, why do I think my practice needs to look a certain way? Why do I look at this image and compare myself and self-identify and think, oh, that's what I need to live up to. I need to get my, once, once I can get my knees to my head or my head to my knees, then I've achieved it. So questioning that exactly, well, why do we believe that when, wait a second, what activities am I doing in my life? You know, so for me, I'm noticing I've just got recently gotten into mountain biking and it's been so much fun. And I did a stretch the other day. What was that stretch? And I noticed something with my hips. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I was like, oh, <laughs> I think it was like quite. hip flexor or psoas because I remember seeing that on Instagram, actually. Um, oh, yeah, that that leg swing one. Yeah, no, but even just for my own body, I noticed mm. I did something that normally my, and I've never been somebody, by the way, I've never been that yoga teacher who's like, just, oh, I can do yoga and have that range of motion. I always was kind of a stiff person. And then I've gotten more mobile over the years. But then something in my hips, again, that certain movement like that I can't think of stiffened up. And then I'm like, well, what activity am I doing? Oh, I'm on my mountain bike quite a lot now. And my mountain bike's requiring my muscles to work in a different way. And in fact, I'm happy that I'm more quote, quote, stiff, because that is strength protecting my joint as I'm going over these little drops and roots and da, 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 kind of action. Mm -hmm. So it's also looking at sustainability too. So it's also looking at the activities that you want to do that you do do. And does this extreme range of motion help? And most activities, no, <laughs> let alone having just that functional strength to reach up at the top of a cupboard. Oh, here's something yesterday. I was watering a plant 
uh, outside that was above my head with a heavy thing of water. And I, and I thought to myself, well, I'm so glad. Thank you, Brie, for putting this effort in and strengthening my upper body so I can link, lift something heavy, hold it and pour, right? So that like these are just real life examples of functional strength. And yeah. I would love to keep that functional strength, strength when I'm 60, 70. So it's about of life. knowing what are your goals and showing up intentionally aligned with those. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that I often say is move with love. And that really, again, to me, encapsulates the heart and the bones integration. Yeah. Because moving with love can mean so many different things for each of us. But at the heart, it's moving with awareness, moving with what works for me, what's going on in my life. So back when I was breastfeeding my child 10 years ago, that I needed different loving movements then in my shoulders and my upper back than I do now, right? So who are we at any phase of our life and how can we move with love and intention? What's, what feels loving to me? What feels nourishing to me? Those are really nice questions for anybody listening to ask yourself. If you're, you know, you want to get on your mat or you're feeling stuck and not sure what to do, what feels nourishing? What would feel nourishing? What would feel loving? And I usually directs you very well. Yeah, I love those questions. Um, I know you teach sustain- sustainability from like a pillar perspective. Could you kind of tell us quickly what are the pillars of system- sustainability for you? Yeah, so I, as a teacher and as a teacher of teachers, I'm, I'm very interested in pedagogy and trying to figure out what's the best way to convey a lot of information and make something relevant. Because if you start to look into the movement science world and pain science world, there's just so much. And how do you distill that to a yoga practice? Mm -hmm. And then how do you distill that to yoga teachers teaching other people about a yoga practice? And so one of the things that I came up with to help distill some of that was the four pillars of a sustainable yoga practice. And they're purposely specific and yet vague enough that they can that people can interpret them as they want. Cause I'm like, please, if anybody's like, here's your five things that you need to do this. And like, here's our TM method. Five Just, secrets. This is, yeah. Like question that. So anyway, so the four pillars are not trademarked or anything. So they're boundaries, variety and diversity, uh, frequency and restore and support. And so boundaries, it's moving within boundaries. So respecting your ranges of motion, knowing what your movement boundaries as well. But here's the other thing about the, film, the, the, the uh, pillars is that they're heart and bone. So boundaries in relationships, boundaries in life. So they have that mirror to each other. And then uh, writing diversity, moving in a variety of ways more often. Your nervous system, your brain, your body thrives on doing different things. When we're doing set sequences, like let's say the Ashtanga sequence for 10 years, and that's the only asana practice that we have when we do that five days a week, there will likely be wear and tear eventually because we're not offering variety and diversity. But then on the flip side, the other pillar is frequency. Sometimes frequency is really good. Right. So maybe that Ashtanga practice for some of us, for our brains, our nervous systems, it's familiar. It's what we need. And that frequency is good mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. it's not. Or balancing that out with other movements. And then, of course, same with mind and body, heart stuff of the frequency of our thoughts. Am I always thinking about myself as uh, an imposter or I'm always thinking of myself in a certain way? And 
Yeah. And then so restore and support is, well, restore and support. Can we rest and support ourselves? And then in community, can we uh, offer as teachers, especially that opportunity for people to find restore and support? So yeah, there's a lot of juiciness within those four pillars. They're kind of nice guideposts yeah, for people. Yeah, it's like big buckets that you can dive in. <laughs> yes, yes. So you mentioned that your desire to learn and to teach anatomy grew over time. What is one thing that every yogi should know about their body or their bones, their joints, their muscle? Oh, that's such a good question. Hmm, I feel like I have like 10 different answers immediately popping into my mind. Oh, but if good. you wanted to distill it to something, Well, it doesn't have I to be think... one. You're allowed to have more than one. If <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> you can't good, bring it down. You. There's no rule. There can only be one. I didn't want to like uh, ask you three and then you're like, well, I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first, the heart of it, because again, heart, you might have heard, you know, I say heart a lot. I think the first thing is to know and trust your body, that it is it, you, it is you, and it is so much more supportive and powerful and resilient than you think. And then what we've also been taught to believe about ourselves our body. I did years ago, a five day cadaver dissection course. And one of the biggest, one of many takeaways, and that's another subject for another day, but one of the many, the main takeaways from that was I left that course and this mantra repeated in my head over and over was who are we, if we're not this body, you know, after spending five days dissecting from skin to bone and everything inside, it was like, well, this is everything. We are everything. This body, while we're in it, it is everything so and it's smart and it's wise and if we give ourselves the, the opportunity to tune in and have that relationship then it will tell us about our range of motion it can tell us about our movement red flags or encouragement to go and try something new or, or, or even have vulnerability within our movement right uncertainty playing with balancing isn't scary it's actually really good for us So I think that's kind of the first and biggest, most important thing is to develop that. And that's what a yoga practice, both asana and the deeper practices can offer us is that work, lifelong work of self-awareness. And then within that, I think every yogi, every person who has a body, I think the joint for me, I'm like, I love bones. I love joints. I think our joints are so deeply amazing and Quite often when I teach applied anatomy, which is more movement-based, right? It's not just let's memorize the joints and muscles and nerves and all that, but like how does this show up for real life? I, I found it super effective when we think about the joints and if we think about initiating movement of the joints and where are my joints and how's the bone placed, let's say, and the femur bone is placed in that hip socket. How is that moving, that articulation of that joint? When we think about movement at the joint, that moves the rest of us really well. And that's where mobility work can come in and strengthen all the tissues and strengthen your nervous system around that area. So your relationship to that area is more clear. So I think play with that. Think about your joints more and how can I move my joints with love? Mm -hmm. So obviously there's the bones, but there's the love because the word heart keeps coming, the word love keeps coming. So let's dive into that a little bit more into the heart part of the heart and bones and you also have your podcast called move with love so obviously it's important and it's a big part of who you are as a teacher do you think the idea of sustain sustain i can't say that word today sustainability <laughs> there we go do you think the idea of sustainability is a way 
not only to practice self-care, but to practice self-love? Yeah, because I, sustainability to me is the sowing the metaphorical and literal seeds for the future. We're being aware of what we're doing now and making good choices. And, you know, I think good, whatever good choices are for each of us, that's going to be an individual thing. But setting that intention to set our future up. So when we think about sustainability in nature or in, in gardening and in, in building, right? It's setting that up, knowing that we're in community, communication and community with something beyond us. A sustainable, sustainably built building is supporting the world around it. It's using materials that are sustainable and mm -hmm. renewable, right? So with something that's unsustainable has a finite end. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's only so much oil in the ground, but there's hopefully always going to be sun for the time being, right? Like that. Right? So using these sustainable resources is, is the same way with moving in, in the same way. I want to, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to focus for me personally, let's say, I'm not going to focus on extreme ranges of motion because it actually in my body over time, this is what got me there was injuries. I started to feel achy in my hips at 30. And it's like, wait a second, I'm doing yoga. I should be more fit. I shouldn't have these injuries. My SI joint, classic yoga teacher SI joint injury, right? Yeah, yep. all of us raise our hands <laughs> who, if you have. And so, like, and so it's like that's kind of a red flag going, well, wait, my yoga practice isn't that sustainable. If I'm getting, and not to say that that wasn't the yoga practice itself, there's a whole myriad of reasons why one's SI joint. But so, right, I don't want to. But for sake of time and ease of communication here, you know, let's just say yoga maybe helped the SI joints for many of us get kind of unstable. So now for me, I'm, I'm going to make decisions on my physical side of my yoga practice that are going to help my SI joint because I know I don't want to be in pain down the road. I want to age well with, without dealing with an SI joint, let alone other things. So it's making these mindful decisions, mindful moments. And that to me is inherently acts of love because love is renewable. <laughs> that sounds a little cheesy, but right. Like it's, but it's, it's this moment of, okay, I'm taking care of myself. So, and because if I'm around longer with a less pain, I'm going to be a better mother. I'm going to be a better partner. I'm going to be a better teacher. I'm going to be a better ally in this world a better facilitator because I have more capacity. So I often like to think about it as, you know, I do my, my, especially the asana side of yoga so that I can do all the rest of the stuff that make me me and that are important to me in this world with more care and more love and more ease. Mm -hmm. So you talked about awareness in general, mindfulness as way to be, you know, to practice self-love towards ourself, um, obviously. Are there, is there other practices that you give as example or teach that are precisely to bring more love in your practice as a way to know or experiment with what feels good or what feels nourishing, like you were asking a little earlier? Mm -hmm. I try not to be prescriptive as a teacher, you know, and, and there's that fine line between here's some, and this is what I often say to, to our teachers in the teacher training. It's like, you know, as teachers, we're, we offer buffets. Here's this, try that. But it's not our role to direct anybody specifically. So, and, and in my experience so far, 
what offers us love changes all the time. And I think we need to have a running list and permission to really expand the box. Like there are no limits on what can make us love and create self-love. And, you know, <laughs> so, but, but I think we, we, when we're in the yoga world, we're in the, when we're in the mindfulness or meditation world, it's, it can be very prescriptive because that's also sells, sells a lot of products when you're like, Hey, try my method, five ways to da da da. Right. So just, some critical thinking and awareness there. So love that happens and self-love happens in so many different ways. Oh my goodness. What about a hard conversation with a loved one and they give you some kind of painful criticism or feedback about yourself that is hard to deal with and doesn't sit well in the body and it's uncomfortable and we want to react and no, you're wrong. No, you do that too and did it, right? Like these very human things oh god and because because it's uncomfortable and then and then when we can kind of move through that and sit in that discomfort of a conversation and move out of that and actually come into true heart connection with that loved one that's a self act of self-love you know again I'm going to use mountain biking because it's this thing that's changed my life recently and it's such a microcosm to what we're talking about in so many ways like for me going into scary things and scary moments. Oh my God, that drop. Can I do this? Oh my God. And then I'm, I'm talking out loud going literally on my bike, Bree, you got this, you got this. And then I do it. And then I'm like, yes. And I'm whooping down the trail and the endorphins. And I'm like, that's a self act of self-love doing something uncomfortable that is riding that line of safety and comfort. So both, and I kind of want to show those two things. That's a physical, the mountain bikes, the physical slash mental of like, am I going to do this? But it's a similar feeling of discomfort of having that conversation, painful conversation with a loved one. So sitting in discomfort, however it is, I think is such a ticket to joy and enlightenment when we come through the other side. So I don't know, put on our favorite music as an act of self-love, planting seeds in the garden, looking in their loved one's eyes, petting your furry friends. You know, like there's so many ways I would never want to put a limit on what creates love for us. And just like you were saying, it's different from people to people, to pers from person to person. And even within the same, what I need today will be different in tomorrow, let alone in six months or in two years from now. Like you were saying, stepping in this comfort and doing something scary for someone who always kind of does that, or that's their way of living, you know, pushing through all the time, doing this scary thing is going to look very different. It's going to be actually like stopping, slowing down, being vulnerable. Like it's going to look It might be the same words, but it will be a totally different experience, even on the same, you know, when it looks the same or sounds yes. like to be the same thing to do. 100%, exactly. And that's why, again, yoga is this practice of self-awareness. And hopefully we have teachers, we have people, we have a, a sense in our practice where we are giving, being given and giving ourselves permission to to do all of that mm -hmm, to shift mm -hmm. and be like you know what yeah restorative yoga is so great oh yeah la yes last week I just lied on my mat in shavasana I didn't actually that would have been amazing but you know let somebody let's say <laughs> lie down on their mat 20 minutes a day for shavasana for five days and they're like yes that changed my life I'm gonna do this forever and then the following week that's not the energy that they need so giving ourselves permission to change that is is part of our yoga practice. I love the image of the buffet. I've never heard that before. I use the image of a parrot and a pirate, 
where, mm. <laughs> yeah, <Can tell>. where, <laughs> um, like the teacher is the parrot and the student is the pirate. So I can tell you, look, look, there's land over there, but you're the one steering the boat kind of idea. Well, I like that. So yeah. it's, it's different because the Buffett idea is that there's not just land over there, but there's like four continents that you can choose from. So <laughs> that gives even more permission to be like, It's not just, do I take this yes or no? It's, do I take A, B, C, or D? In what way, in what amount, and with what intention? So I feel yes. the, the buffet offers even more permission. Yeah. I like it. Oh, my goodness. And for, for all of us, and then for those who are teaching and facilitating other people's ability to choose at the buffet, then it takes a lot of pressure off of the teachers who are like, This is my responsibility. I am a yoga teacher. Everybody's well-being, physical, mental, and emotional is in my hands. Like, hashtag no pressure. <laughs> But so many people or teachers uh, put that pressure on themselves. And then when you as a teacher start to go, oh, I just get to offer the buffet. And it is not my responsibility for what they pick up, how they pick up it. And oh, that person, I just showed them how to put their foot here and I adjusted them and I told them and they're you're still doing not doing it different. and what's wrong. They're going to hurt themselves and this, that, and that. It's like, well, no, you know what? Give them the autonomy and freedom to choose. And, and yeah. to learn. <laughs> they might need that to, to learn. learn that, you know, <laughs> I'm not Don't even going to complete the sentence, but <laughs> they might need to figure out on their own. Bingo. Sometimes Bingo. it doesn't matter what you say. And I think that's a great and, tip for new teachers. For us as humans, you know, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, as the old saying goes. Or even I had a moment where somebody once reflected, because I said that a lot for a while as a teacher, and then somebody reflected back to me saying, why are you even trying to lead them to the water? And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't even, what? Like another layer of responsibility just went off my shoulders. It's like, We embody what we want to teach. Yeah, well, well, actually, this, sorry, I feel like I'm opening up a can of worms on that one because, again, pressure, we don't need to embody what we want to teach because there's days we're going to show up as total real humans where we've just had a fight with our partner or our kids or stress from a job. And you're like, and now I have to show up and teach. I'm not embodying good yoga teacher at all. And then permission to also show up as human, show up as professional. You know, don't tell everybody you've had this bad day and complain about it. That's not professional, but maybe you're a little more subdued. Maybe you're not as your usual jokey self if that's how you teach. So yeah, it does kind of boil down to giving permission in so many ways, riding that wave, riding that flow of tuning in. What do I need right now? What feels nourishing and giving permission then to go and it's okay. And, and, and looking at the culture around us and this grind capitalistic culture that's work, work, work. And if all you want to do is rest, you're still a good enough person. Don't listen to what that culture says, right? If that's the moment. And on top of bringing the permission and to ask yourself, what do you need and how, you know, from awareness and mindfulness, it brings you also a chance of self-expression, which you wouldn't You wouldn't think you necessarily have in a group-led class, but not only you get freedom of movement, but you might get a little bit more expression through that movement or 
inspiration or I don't know something yes that's good insight yes and that's that creativity that's like to mm-hmm. me I get so excited about creativity you know and it's not creativity as in oh I have to be a perfect artist and because there's those same stories again but cre- that creative spark of your expression there's a great example of that uh, I'm not a musician but this is an example I use often so if I hope that I use it well because <laughs> I've not been a musician but let's say there's my like we play the violin and you learn how to play the violin and you have to learn the scales and the chords I'm assuming and the violin anyways and and but then you get to a point as a musician where you put your own tone on it mm-hmm. and that's the expression so those who would be very well like I don't think I would hear the, a different violinist tone I'm not that experienced in listening to, to specifically but somebody who would know would hear oh that violinist has their own tone, the way that they're expressing that piece. And we, and so that is just what you said with the expression in our bodies and our movements. We might all be doing triangle pose or downward dog, but when we give ourselves that A, boundaries, moving with more awareness and okay, I'm gonna do this with my hands, I'm gonna do this with my arms. Now, I'm, now I've just built a good, strong structural foundation mm-hmm. within that foundation of down dog. Now I'm gonna wiggle a little bit. Today, my tone or my expression is maybe a little wiggle. Ooh, and today actually no, you know what? I'm gonna want I want to put my hands slightly different. And I like that and, so much. That feels so and, nurturing to me just to hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then I look at that in that bigger picture of what we said about creativity, because then we're being in that creative flow. And to me, that's the magic. That's where we transform, that's where we shift, that's where we get the taste of joy. We get that taste of just <sighs> connection. Because I'm in my own creativity. What do I need? And that, and, and then again, it's not enough. It can literally be nothing as dramatic as like, I'm just going to wiggle a little. And that's your creativity in that moment. And that's perfect. I'm just taking it in for a second. I really like it. It's not something I find we talk a, a lot about, or anyways, it's not something we've talked a, a lot about on this podcast so far. So this, I'm kind of Ooh. planting little seeds. All right. Um, One last question for today. I've read somewhere or I've heard you say, I can't remember, but that yoga make us better humans. And we talked a little bit about how, you know, feeling better helps you show up better and make the better, a better world kind of in a really simplistic way. But I wanted to see if you had a bit more of an opinion on that. <laughs> Do I have an opinion on that? I felt like you yeah. might. <laughs> <laughs> so many ways. I, I, but again, in this moment, I'm feeling that I've, I'll speak for myself and my own experiences. I've found doing, and this goes back to what we were maybe talking about with that sense of going into the uncomfortableness, if that's a word, discomfort. And, you know, all of the things that have caused me pain, making mistakes in relationships, making mistakes in the world, doing something with good intentions, but that intention actually created more pain, let's say. Being human, right? Just being in this world, that work of sitting with it and not running from it and choosing to learn. And it's like I said, and it's uncomfortable. And God, like I would way rather not do this work in some ways. And I don't blame anybody for not doing it because that's painful. And we've been taught from a young age. To avoid. Pain. Exactly. Avoid the pain. I have so many strategies to avoid pain. Oh, we all do. And I'm saying this now as if I don't ever still should like tune out on my phone or whatever the things like these coping strategies that we'll do. 
But when I'm willing to show up in that, in that discomfort and seeing that and seeing the ways again, for this is like a big one in my heart, like social justice stuff, like showing up in the way that I've got a lot of privilege and how am I holding that? And then the pain of recognizing, well, oh my God, all my privileges caused other people pain. Shit. How do I reconcile that? Because I like to think I'm a pretty open-hearted, oh, I love everyone, let's change the world kind of person, but there's something deep. So again, that's I'm talking, that's the social picture macrocosm and then the microcosm of, of family members, let's say again, or loved ones, or your own children, right? I've been an 11-year-old, I'm sure I've caused pain before. And sitting with that and going, okay, well, how can I choose to grow? How can I, what can I learn from this? Or external circumstances that happen in our life that we're like, well, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> whatever right like we've all like countless things and so it's like but here we are and so another thing that I sometimes like to say to myself to remind myself in those times is to go well here I am here I am here we are here it is this shit sorry if I'm sorry but you know this shit's happening okay here we are or here's another little strategy or I'll often I can be of course be human and reactive I'll be like and I'll like have my little temper tantrum where you know my partner I'll be like I can't believe this okay got the emotion out got the got the kind of things and now okay here I am so I just needed to really clarify that for anybody listening so it's not just something will happen in life that we don't want and then immediately the good yogi person is like oh here I am and meanwhile you've got all these emotions roiling broiling inside of you let be be a two-year-old, be unmindful, you swear, yell, scream, get mad, call, you know, in a safe private environment, get that emotion out. And then we have the capacity. Okay. Okay. Well, I really, here I am. Yeah. So I don't, I actually feel like I've lost your question. <laughs> well, I was asking how to become a better human or how can yeah, yoga help right. us become better okay. humans. But I think so. emotional intelligence is a great <laughs> answer to this question yeah. and living your emotions and then looking at what you do from there and how you choose to yeah. respond. Once you've moved that energy, what, you yeah. know, what is next, you can really move yeah. from a place of mindfulness and be like, okay. I've moved that emotions, that energy. I lived it for a moment. Now what? Now here yeah. we are. What do I do with this now? What's my choice? Yeah. How can I use this as a vehicle for good or for growth or for understanding or for sharing or whatever you feel like your life yeah. mission is in that case? Yeah. And then, and thank you. And then I remind, reminded myself of the lot of the one little point on that, then, which is compassion. Because when we, done the uncomfortable work when we have suffered when we have been in pain and we've done the work of working through it and not running from it holy crap like there's so many things on the flip side of that and one of it is compassion our hearts are more open and which means they're going to be tender and there might be still right like I'm such a for me I'm such a crier in a lot of ways but that's because of that hope and heart because I can understand now on some level the empathy increases. And for me, empathy and, and, and compassion are active things, verbs, are verbs active, yeah. So, you know, like they're, they push me to make change and wanna help others because ultimately yoga is service too. So as we get to know ourselves, it's service. I mean, then I'm in service of love for myself and in service of love for others. Ah, 
Yeah, no, it's no, no small fee. <laughs> Amazing. Anything else you want to add before we finish or we just finish on this? I think that was great. But if just want to give you a chance, if there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with, with today's episode. Yeah, I think, again, that's moving with love. We've talked about the heart and the bones, the physical, the emotional, and you can see how it all integrates and, and, and weaves together. And may our practice of yoga, this thing, this beautiful practice that has helped us and it continues to help us to be who we are and grow, may that be that vehicle to help and for us to be of service. If I feel this good, I want others to feel this good. I have privilege. I want to share that privilege and just, you know, like, and, and it doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be small. It can be small in our families and our communities, small steps. Amazing. I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, if people want to say hi, they want to study with you in at some level, where's the best place for them to find you? They can find me at tartanbonesyoga.com is a website where we have uh, online membership yoga yoga studio membership which is a with a fabulous global community around the world is what i'd like to call our move with lovers hmm. so you can kind of you get to experience this sustainable loving playful very playful real approach to yoga uh, also if anybody wants to do teacher trainings or upgrading their education this is also good for people who aren't teachers but want to just get a little bit more body awareness or people who don't want to get certified as teachers we have teacher training courses and because of covid Now everything is more online and 100% online and surprisingly amazing, I have mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. That's one of my awakenings like, oh, Blessings. we can still offer yeah. solid, amazing connection of people around the world learning online. So yay. So then that, and then of course, good old Facebook and Instagram and YouTube even for free videos at Heart and Bones Yoga. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Brie. That was a very pleasurable episode. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> De rien. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at On and Off Your Mat Podcast and visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger to become a premium member. You'll get your hands on our exclusive content for the podcast, on the video library of classes. You can join our inner circle, this community, and even maybe take a live class with me. Now, check out the show notes on my website at ericabelanger.com to find out more info about our guests of today, Bree Johnson, or my top five biggest takeaway from this episode. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind the podcast for their support in making this all possible. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Until next time. <laughs>